I'm Jason the Germ Guy Tetro, and I'm the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. The goal of science is to demystify the world around us. Yet one mystery science can't solve is Russia. It's been accused of attacking the West and trying to regain a dominance not seen since the end of the Cold War. How this country went from being a tenuous ally to a potential global threat has been a mystery. But that is all about to change thanks to the new investigative series by Curious Cast and Global News, Russia Rising. Join Europe Bureau Chief of Global News, Jeff Semple, as he talks with the people who know Russia best. Trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former member of the KGB. It will be a journey into the heart of a country so few of us understand, and one you will want to hear every week. Russia Rising is available at CuriousCast.ca, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Simply search and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're searching, here's a preview of the show. This is Russia Rising. So I've been working as a Canadian journalist based in Europe for about five and a half years. And during that time, I've seen Vladimir Putin in person a couple of times. The first was in Sochi, Russia. I was there reporting on the Olympic Games back in 2014. And while I was there, I stopped into Canada Olympic House. It's basically a hangout for Canadian athletes, their families, friends, and fans. And there's suddenly about a dozen Russian police officers guarding the doors. People start screaming. Everyone has their cell phone cameras in the air. And I look over, and there, about 20 meters away, is the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Now, the first thing that goes through my mind is, man, he's, he's a lot shorter than he looks on TV. But of course, he has this giant, larger-than-life presence. He's smiling, he's holding a pair of Team Canada Olympic mittens, and he and his translator grab a microphone. Let us wish our teams to meet in the final. In the now, it's kind of hard to hear over the cheers, but that was Putin through his translator, saying he hopes that Canada and Russia meet in the men's hockey final, a rematch of that epic Canada-USSR summit series back in 1972. That marked the first time that NHL players had ever skated against the Soviets, at a time when Soviet Russia was at the height of its power. Putin tells the crowd that he wants a rematch with Canada, except this time with Russia as the victor. Thank you. His surprise visit to Canada Olympic House receives a rock star reception. The hundred or so Canadians in the crowd are going crazy. And his prediction about the men's hockey proved half true. Canada did advance to the finals and won gold, though it would be against Sweden, not Russia. And just days after those Sochi Olympics finished on a high note, that smiling, hockey-loving President Putin invaded Ukraine. You 
Ukrainian officials say at least 16 civilians have been killed in the past 24 hours in renewed fighting in the east of the country. That invasion and the subsequent annexation of Crimea spiraled into a war that has killed 10,000 people by some counts and is still going on right now. And it also reignited a diplomatic war between Russia and the West. Canada has been uh, unequivocal in our condemnation of uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia. But through all of that, the Russian president appears utterly unfazed. Vladimir Putin has ruled over the world's largest country for nearly two decades. But for many, he remains a mystery. One this podcast hopes to unravel with help from those who know him best, including a former fellow Russian secret agent. I believe I, I have you know, more or less have an idea how he's thinking as a as an ex KGB officer. I'm Jeff Semple, the Europe Bureau Chief for Global News, and this is Russia Rising. On this episode, we'll explore how a poor kid from a tough neighborhood became a secret agent, one of the world's wealthiest men, and Russia's longest serving leader since Stalin, while also being accused of a laundry list of atrocities. The government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. What we need to do is understand Vladimir Putin for what he is, a murderer and a thug. But to truly understand what motivates Putin, why he does what he does, we need to know where he came from. Hi, Arkady, it's Jeff Semple calling from Global News. I reached out to Arkady Ostrovsky, the Russian editor for The Economist magazine. Ostrovsky was born in Moscow, has spent much of his career in Russia, and he literally wrote the book on Putin's early years a biography called The Invention of Russia. A lot of details from Putin's childhood come from the man himself. Putin has described growing up in a tough neighborhood in what was then Leningrad. His father was a foreman at a local factory, and they lived in a rat-infested communal housing block where several families shared a single apartment. As a kid, Putin was small for his age, and was always getting into fights with kids who were bigger and stronger. But I think just growing up in the pretty tough the streets of Leningrad, um, in a quite a thuggish atmosphere, I think there was a lot of things he learned from the street fights which he was engaged in. Um, he did judo, he wanted to be, uh, you know, physically stand up to the kids who were picking at him. He should be decent. In a recent TV interview, Putin said the Leningrad street taught him an important lesson. If a fight is inevitable, you need to throw the first punch. Like most kids, Putin wasn't too concerned with global affairs, and he certainly never dreamed of being a politician or becoming president. Instead, he wanted to be a sailor or maybe a pilot. But one day, as a teenager, he says he saw a movie that would change his life. The 1968 film The Shield and the Sword depicted the story of a fictional Russian spy named Alexander Belov. The guy seemed invincible, 
In the movie, he infiltrated Nazi Germany and obtained vital intelligence. Belov was the Soviet Union's answer to a certain fictional British super spy. Like 007, Belov had nerves of steel and was skilled at manipulating other people. He also spoke fluent German, and so too did a young Vladimir Putin. In an interview decades later, Putin recalled becoming obsessed with the film, explaining that what amazed him most was how one spy could decide the fate of thousands of people. After graduating university with a law degree in 1975, Putin signed up to the Soviet secret service, the KGB. I think most people have created a sort of cartoon image of, of Putin. That's Stephen Lee Myers, another Putin biographer and veteran journalist with the New York Times. He says Putin may have been inspired by a super spy, but he himself was not one. Because a lot of people uh, think of Vladimir Putin as, you know, a former spy, um, you know, a KGB agent and all that. In fact, he was never a spy. He was a he was an officer in the KGB. He served a not illustrious career, to be honest, um, in, in the KGB. He didn't rise very fast. He, you know, he he seems to have had some some problems. He didn't really. I mean, he learned German as a young man, and uh, as a, and for that reason, if he were successful or had a great career in the KGB, he would have gone abroad, and served undercover somewhere uh, in the West. But in fact, he went to East Germany, which was an ally of the Soviet Union, of course, and and served in Dresden, not even in Berlin. Um, so it was seen as a kind of a, a mundane career and even a mundane job that he had. But that mundane desk job suddenly got a lot more interesting in 1989. After the Berlin Wall came down in November, the protests spilled into East Germany, and they landed right on Putin's doorstep. And one night in December of 1989, he was at the uh, the little villa in Dresden where he worked, which is around the corner from a uh, very notorious uh, prison uh, headquarters of the East German secret police, the Stasi. And the protest in Dresden, as they were elsewhere in uh, East Germany, had continued um, against the government at the time. And a very large crowd had gathered outside the Stasi headquarters. And, you know, it was for, for the, the East Germans inside, I'm sure, a terrifying moment. In a recent TV interview, Putin himself described peering through the window at the crowds gathering outside his KGB office. The guard who was posted at the entrance took off. And Putin fired up the furnace and started burning secret Soviet documents. Obviously, we couldn't just lay our secret intelligence documents and details in the street. We couldn't turn the information over to anyone. So we had to demonstrate our willingness to act. Putin was a junior officer, but his boss was away, so he picked up the phone and called for backup. He had called, you know, what was in the Soviet army that was in uh, East Germany asking for help or protection um, against what he considered to be a mob. And, uh, you know, he, the, the reply he got was that there was nothing they could do because they had no orders from Moscow. Moscow is silent, he was told. Moscow is silent. 
So Putin stepped outside to confront the crowd alone. And he eventually came out and told everybody uh, that it was outside uh, that it was a diplomatic compound and that it was protected and that if anybody tried to come in, he would tell the guards to open fire. Um, and that sort of took the, the wind out of the uh, sails of the crowd a bit and they went back to the what was then a celebration. That moment seemed to really uh, represent to him the collapse of central government authority, the authority of the nation. Uh, and that's something that he often repeats over and over. It can never happen because if that happens in Russia, there will be chaos. The Soviet Union dissolved into 15 new countries, including the new Russian Federation, which had just lost 2 million square miles of territory. Putin watched it crumble before his eyes. In his mind, Russia was falling apart in the 90s after the collapse of the Soviet Union. You know, the, the other republics of the Soviet Union left and became independent nations, you know, Belarus, the Baltic states, the Central Asian nations. Um, but Russia, he was going to hold together. And he really believes that, that democracy or the, the will of the people or the mob rule, as he sees it, is a dangerous thing. Uh, that if you leave that unchecked, it will tear a country apart. That's how he views it. I'm Jeff Semple. Thanks for listening to this sneak peek from episode two of Russia Rising. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for free now at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.